Tonight's new budget is law enforcement friendly. A new guru for public education technology gets ready to take the helm of a high-tech education center that could change the face of the county. A community steps up to honor a fallen law enforcement officer. Wild pigs, coyotes are apparently here to stay. And School District 5 offers to feed hungry kids this summer. All this and more on the Anderson Observer Podcast for June 21st, 2017. Welcome to the Anderson Observer Podcast. News from people you trust. It has been a busy couple of weeks, and we're going to look at a lot of things. I want to make, mention really quick that this weekend, there's a lot of stuff going on. The Meals on Wheels Poker Run at Hartwell Lake, uh, Shakespeare in the Park is free. Lecture City Playhouse has The Boys Next Door, which is a, a look at special needs adults. Uh, Abraham Lincoln's going to be in Pelzer. Who knew? And there's picking at the Woodburn Plantation on Saturday. And in addition to that, uh, the Farmer's Market's now open three days a week, so it's always something to do. It has been a busy time here in Anderson County. Um, if you've missed it, last night, Tuesday night, County Council, they cut the original budget tax hike from 2.9 mills to 1.8 mills in the most civil third reading of a county budget vote I've ever witnessed in more than 30 years of County Council meetings. Uh, very, very civil meeting. Very little was changed at the last minute, which is a, a real marked difference from years gone by. And this budget provides law enforcement with $5 million in new funds, uh, 3% raises for all county employees other than law enforcement, uh, since they've got their own set of raises over there, raising the bottom up. Uh, money for capital projects, such as a $1 million roof repair for the new courthouse, plus significant support for Tri-County Tech, which highlights the county support for a school that has a huge role in our economic development, and apparently there's a big announcement coming up they keep hitting out, but nobody will tell me what it is. Here's what Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns, County Council Chairman Tommy Dunn, and County Councilman Craig Wooten had to say just after last night's meeting. Okay, I'm sitting here talking to the part of the brain trust of Anderson County. We've got the Administrator Rusty Burns, we've got County Council Chairman Tommy Dunn, and we've got our, one of our newest council members, Craig Wooten, and we're talking about the budget y'all passed tonight. Uh, are y'all generally pleased? What 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 are you most pleased about in this budget? I I think from my standpoint, um, you know, we set out to take care of the officers, and we did it. And uh, most of everybody I've spoke to in my, in my district was supportive of that. And I think we worked over time to um, to save the taxpayers as much as we could. And I think the situation um, dictated. Um, a win all the way around and it's a, I've always said let's focus on core services and you know public safety and officers are core services and I'm glad we took care of them tonight. Mr. Dunn, you, you were talking about you were proud of what we did for law enforcement. Remind everybody what y'all did for law enforcement in this budget. Well this budget here puts almost uh, five million dollars to be exact 4.8 million dollars of new money into the sheriff's department versus you know whether it be new employees, uh, pay raises, equipment such as computers, uh, a new uh, uh, software, uh, cameras for the jail. So uh, very pleased we was able to do that. I'm also pleased we got to take care of all of, all of our Anderson County employees to a certain extent. All of them deserve something. They've, been, they've lived through some hard times. We got a little something to be able to do now to keep us competitive, to reward them and let them know they appreciate it. Uh, don't nothing like yet. And also, sidebar, when I first got on council, we had some issues with some buildings that we wouldn't we just had to do the best we could. I hate it, but I'm very glad we was able to fix the roof over. I hope we get the roof over fix it at the courthouse. You know, it's, uh, uh, you got your own property and stuff, you know, you got to take care of it. So I'm very glad also we was able, able to get that fixed over there because, you know, we got citizens coming in every day, whether what it is over there, you know, 
visiting that place, and they, they and that's their that's their building. So we we should make sure we can take care of it. I guess it's even more important with count with unemployment now under three and a half percent to be able to keep good employees. Y'all have got to provide some raises and salaries that are competitive. That's right. Because not not just law enforcement, we were losing people. We're losing people in other departments. Other department. We've and, and it's not just you know uh, the private sector. You gonna you know we can't compete with private sector, but we're losing people, good employees. This 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 have training. When you lose, it takes several years to get the train, get them up the air to Pickens County. Greenwood, Abbeville, and we shouldn't be, nothing against those, those are great communities, but we shouldn't be losing employees to them. Smaller counties. That's right, that's right. What about roads? What are we going to do for roads? What's the next plan here? Well, you know, I'm a firm believer, uh, uh, we've got to get a plan together, hope we can do it. This 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 thing, as Mr. Wooten just led to, was a lot about law enforcement. Hopefully the next budget will be about our roads. We need to, we need to start planning now. Uh, we're getting some influx of some money, pretty good little thing on some things uh, from the state. But that's not going to fix, as I've said many times, that's not going to fix our problem. So we're going to have to look at doing, get it, get creative, get inventive, and do and do something other. And in my opinion, what we decide, then go out and sell it to the community. Okay, I've got the budget done, and this includes you too, Mr. Burns over here. Uh, just one thing I want to point yes. out okay. that uh, Mr. Wooten and Mr. Dunn have stated is that is new money for the sheriff's department. That's important, but the majority of that money is reoccurring money. It's not one-time money. That will now go into the base of the budget so they can count on that year after year after year. And I, and I think, as Mr. Dunn alluded to, Mr. Wooten, this was, for all practical purposes, a law enforcement budget and an education budget with our commitment to our Tri-County Tech building, the Student Success Center, because as Mr. Dunn also alluded to, uh, we every project that we do, I mean, they're right there with us, and we've got one we're working on right now, and we're almost wearing the same pair of pants when we talk, so. And that's going to be a big deal for the industrial park. Yes, it, we're hoping to have great news on the industrial park soon. But Tech's a, a key uh, tech partner be, in that tech industrial will be park. Locating in that, that industrial park, right? And that's it's, already just the idea of them locating in that industrial park is already paying dividends. That's exactly right. All right, got the budget taken care of. Um, you can take a deep breath. What's next? What's the next big? Well, as I said, the, uh, not, the next biggest thing that's going to come up, uh, immediate is EMS. Then, as I hope I said tonight, laid out sewer in the Civic Center. Now, having EMS, having uh, Ray Graham, Councilman Graham in here, who's been law enforcement and involved in EMS, has that, has that been helpful for it the, is. the he, process? He seems to know a lot of people. He has. The biggest thing it is that uh, Mr. Graham, and same with Mr. Wooten, they just real uh, uh, active and go, go in and get things, you know, and, and find out when you, when you ask them to do something or other, uh, get it done, and uh, that's real helpful. You know, we need to spread the workload, spread it around. And what was the other thing you said, EMS, and what was the other thing you just said? A civic center. Civic center. What What is the plan for the civic center? Because I hadn't heard much said about that. I like. I, I would like to see us put out uh, some requests for proposals for some companies to come in, and we got different avenues to do. But in, in a nutshell, how we get there, what I like to see us do is be able to start using the amphitheater, the civic center. The civic center is a. It's 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 really a misconception. The civic center stays busy, you know, but it's not money generating things a lot of times i think there's some room there we can improve on plus our amphitheater is greatly underutilized and i think there's some some avenues there and it's going to take two things it's going to take a little bit of time because you know acts stays booked up six months ahead of time a year ahead of time so you got to start there and i think it's going to take a little bit it's going to take some money 
uh, to get some, to get this thing. But that's going to be one of the deals. You're going to invest. You know, it takes money to make money. That's where council wants to make a decision. If they don't want to do this, then let's just be all hush about the civic center and so we're satisfied the way it is. Is there going to be like a three-year, five-year, ten-year plan for the Civic Center where we want to go? Because, mm-hmm. you know, there's all kind of crazy rumors. I don't know if y'all yeah. have heard flying around the community. There's going to be a new a new building built out there on the hill. And I don't, uh, I don't, I don't see no new buildings or nothing like that. Um, uh, but what I do see is uh, uh, more usage, especially the amphitheater and the um, uh, even the Civic Center itself as far as getting somebody to come in. Look, no fault of anybody's is just a fact. The Civic Center is not marketed. You've got people out here every day marketing their facilities, people acts are going to. And it's my understanding of the trade that's going on now, and we need to jump on it. Acts are wanting to go to smaller facilities. Well, we need to we need to jump on that and get it. And and, and, and so I think there's some things there. And the one other thing I'd like to see. Did that position survive, by the way, the sales position for Civic Center? Did that make it through the final? It's not in there, but what, what Mr. Dunn's talking about, it's a radical new view on how we operate that civic center. Okay, but that's going to take a person like that at some point, though. Well, it's going to take a lot of discussion. There are companies that provide that service. There are okay. companies that uh, book acts that string out all through the southeast. I mean, there are eighteen thousand options, and Mr. Waters' committee is going to be going through that, and we'll put out an RFQ and we'll interview some of those companies and see what they have to say and what their plans are. We've already had some very interesting the Civic Center. Some fascinating conversations. So I know the October event coming is going to be done sort of like that. Is somebody put yeah, it the on? Yeah, the big Halloween extravaganza. Yeah, the big Bluegrass boo, boo, Festival. Well, they had not named a name. Right, but, but whatever. It changes every other day. I've been looking at his website as well. But they've already, uh, we've already leased that space to them. And it's space that we're not using at the Civic Center. Another thing, the city just re-upped with us for another five years, $100,000 a year for improvements on the athletic fields out there. So we're very happy about that. But... We just need more activity. We need more baseball fields. We need softball fields. We need soccer fields. There's a whole lot that we need to do. Anderson's growing, and the demand for recreation is increasing every every day. But the other, another fifty thousand residents since 1995, yeah. we've increased. Yeah. By. Another thing, you know, uh, is is the property behind us here. I hope we get a get a, can get a plan together in the near future and get something done with that because that's going to be a game changer for downtown Anderson. Period, and that's good for everybody. Mm-hmm. Now, you, I know you're worn out from the budget and everybody's road weary and everything else, but I'm going to ask you this anyway. In the next year, is there going to be a chance to reevaluate the idea of hospitality tax to pay for some of these things? I can tell you right now, the idea of doing that probably won't be talked about for a month because I think everybody's got a hangover <laughs> from taxes. <laughs> okay. And just to, and to answer that too, from my point of view, and I say this from the get-go, we just increased the budget that we got far as new new spending just in the sheriff's department alone five million dollars and we haven't put nothing down for roads you have all the ballparks all the ball fields you want if you ain't got roads to get to them you're in trouble so i think we got to fix the road problem that's just my opinion first and you can't just keep taxing people to death you know we got a 1.8 mil tonight whatever the road thing's going to be is going to be so you can't just do all this you got to sort of crawl look a lot of these problems wouldn't the sheriff being department being physically not sound the way it is as far as in, in, in paying some of that equipment didn't get like this overnight. So it's not going to be fixed. And we come a long way tonight doing that. 
The same with the road issue and these other things. We've got to put a plan in place. Not going to be fixed in one swoop thing. We can't. We can't. You can't go out. Even some of this stuff, you know, even the sheriff's original request, we couldn't done it if we wanted to. State law won't let us. We can't raise taxes, but so much if we even mind to. So. Well, there's an ask, and that's the, you answered started answering my next question. I think there's 36 counties with a vehicle tax fee of some sort. Some of them are fifty dollars. Some of them are twelve ninety nine. There's a weird one. It's like, and and I and I truly believe, if you lay out a plan, where you say it's going to generate, if you don't, if you come up with a figure, whatever that figure is, you say it's going to generate X amount of dollars, and every penny of this is going to go to the road maintenance department for roads, not salaries, not staff, not equipment, but either piping, asphalt or whatnot, and go out and sell it. I'm a firm believer you got to have the people behind you before you can do anything, and I think it can be done. But it, that's what council's got to do. You know, just a sidebar on the hospitality thing. That was one thing. It was doomed from the start because the way it's presented. You've got to go out and sell it and get the people behind it. And it would be better if it does come, if it comes from a group of citizens and not not and not led by county council, in my opinion. Well, you know, I talked to the folks in charge at AIM and at Mills on Wheels and some of the other charities, and they told me none of their clients that they help who own a vehicle could not afford a vehicle tax fee. In fact, it would, like we've talked about, it, it would save them money in maintenance and tires exactly. and everything else. But the so, other thing it would do is it would quit putting the burden on property owners and tax some people who currently don't pay any property tax. You'd get a wider group of people in there assisting for the roads because they use the roads and that's just a huge tax. And there's some things you look at, you know, you might be able to, you might be able to put a, uh, I'm just seeing you thinking outside, so you got to think outside the box. You might be able to put a car fee on or something and, and, and lower the property tax general fund a tick or something. Like just like this, you know, we started out with this. Well, you got to look where we come to in this budget and, you know, I hate to say only, but it is only only a 1.8 mil tax, but you got to look at all the new money that's in that budget for stuff. And like I said, almost $5 million that's going to the Sheriff's, sheriff's well, Department. And that's what, you know, that and the EMS, you got to look at the EMS. There's two-tenths of a million there for EMS to help him up. And that's going to, and that's, citizens of Anderson County is going to benefit on those two very greatly. And you, you and this is my last question, but this budget seemed to have been the smoothest budget process, at least in my memory, overall. Because when you got in there tonight, I can't remember the last time we did, we were a week away from July 1st and we already had a budget passed. We've been pushing it up to that midnight hour in the past years. And then when you get in there, people are just willy-nilly cutting stuff at the last second. This one didn't seem to have any of that. I agree to a certain extent. We had a little bit there at the end, but it, in all, it was a, it was a thing. But I, but I credit that with the hard work of the staff. I mean, they come up, uh, I think we had a budget workshop Thursday or Friday in the, in to get this and people had, you know, ideas. Mr. Wooten, you know, as he said, law enforcement was very heavy on his heart and mind. I know Mr. Graham and so doing this and the sheriff and them uh, coming out. And the other thing I want to say to all, and I'm a big boy now, you know, of all the departments, everybody wasn't happy, but when nobody's personally come to me, which I don't come, but by, by more overwhelmingly, this was a team effort. Nobody come up to me when you sit there and when I ask for a 2% a, a across the board reduction, uh, the Sheriff's Department was one of the first ones to say, we can do that. Ms. Davis' Fine Department said, we can do that. You know, this department said they can do that. And I know all of them wasn't happy, but, you know, I'm a realist too, uh, but I'm also, uh, 
there, you can't tell me when you got a, a, a 60 something million dollar budget plus that you can't find 2% of fat somewhere or another or, 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 or find, find more than that. I'm like, I'm like everybody else. I know Mr. Wooten ain't, ain't completely happy with his budget. Tom Allen's not, Ray Graham ain't, I ain't. If, this was, if, this, if I could go in and I have to get three more votes and do some things or not have to deal with staff, I could do things. We all do stuff different. Mr. Burns would do things different. You know, Mr. Burns would probably have us a, 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 another five mil tax increase. You know, he'd been the great Democrat he is, but that's just the way, the way it is. A little <laughs> Democrats are the only ones that do that. <laughs> Nick, I, I think we're going to look back in this budget is going to be the turning point in this county because we had civil discourse. We, um, we went back and forth on things that each council member cared about. Um, we pointed out differences. We probably irritated each other in the process. But at the end of the day, we, we did good government and we came together and made a decision. And I believe an ordinance or a legislation or a budget where nobody's completely happy is probably one <laughs> that got done correctly. And so um, I think we're going to look back, and because of this teamwork, we're going to see a lot of positive stuff coming up in the next couple of years. Can I echo those? Well, I appreciate it. I know y'all are tired more than this. Longest day of the year. Might as well enjoy it the day. Is. Like Summer solstice. Hot, hot and tired. Thanks, y'all. Yeah, and on the longest day of the year, uh, County Council did uh, a pretty decent job. I would have liked to see a couple other things, but they were, as they were saying in the interview, that if, if the budget comes away and everybody wants a little something, but everybody's sort of generally happy with it, it works out. Uh, to serve a growing population and attract new and excellent industry here, Anderson County needs top-notch top services. This includes hiring new positions that are needed to meet the needs of a growing county, something that really I think was a little left behind. Uh, raises for law enforcement was essential. We were losing them to other places, becoming a training ground for them. And they were then losing them. Uh, Pickens and even Abbeville in some places were actually paying higher starting salaries in the city of Anderson, just boosted theirs to uh, 37,500 or 38,000. So the starting deputies will be making $37,500 and get them out of that poverty level. But uh, they also this budget also preserves some 3% pay raises for all other employees. And that's key to keeping the county operating at peak efficiency as well. Um, the other employees are one of the reasons Anderson's helped move ahead. Support staff and staff has been a, a huge reason that we've been able to do that. But we're, we've lost a lot of really good people to neighboring counties because our salaries are just not competitive. And I don't mean Greenville or even Spartanburg. I mean Pickens and Oconee and Abbeville and places that have been paying more because uh, council is still to be applauded for navigating the county through that long recession that started back in 2008 and keeping taxes down, trying to get by as little in as many areas as possible. But that recession is over. And the austere budgets seem a little short-sighted now and they're not just frugal. But uh, I think they found sort of a sweet spot here, although there could have been some other things um, those who question the really modest 1.8 mil increase, which very few Andersonians are going to notice around $9 a year on a $100,000 home, need to rethink their vision for Anderson County. It's time to break out of the mindset that people don't want to pay for services and that we can properly serve, serve citizens without the money and manpower to do so. We've got to have those things, and it's going to take some tax increases to do that. Those people who think that this council and administrator have been anything other but other than physically responsible are just uninformed. They haven't paid attention. They've been a very frugal and informed and physically responsible council and uh, administrator's office. So when there are some modest increases for core services and manpower, it's high time to do that and to exhibit that Anderson County is progressive and it's progressive while still keeping an eye on the, the budget overall. I hope eventually this council will revisit the vehicle fee. I understand you do things progressively and in and, and steps, 
We've talked about it on the podcast before. A $25 vehicle fee would almost pay for annual road maintenance and repairs. Uh, having talked to all of the major charitable leaders in Anderson, nobody who owns a vehicle cannot afford $2 a month. And they'll save a lot more than that in tire repairs and life of their car and alignments and those kind of things. So it, it's pretty clear that that needs to be something that's going to have to be addressed. Uh, we need $8 million to, to uh, take care of our roads and bridges and infrastructure here on those, those kind of things. And right now, we don't even have $2 million. So they're hoping the state will come through with some of the raises, the raises in the gas tax and things, but that's yet to be seen. We don't know. And I will address the hospitality tax another day, but my hope is that council will indeed, you know, stand up and not knuckle under the idea that, uh, you know, that that's just money we're leaving on the table and a lot of it would be paid for from folks out of town and it would really help do some of the things we talked about in that, that interview with the Civic Center and, and other places. And we're really a growing an area and as Green Pond grows and other things happen, um, we really have an opportunity here to, to fund those through, again, people coming in mostly from out of town and people dining out. You know, and one thing I didn't want to fail to mention, even though it was a couple of weeks ago, it is important, especially in light of the emphasis uh, in the recent budget on taking care of our law enforcement officers, to one more time remember that we lost one in the line of duty recently. Um, it is a great pride we can all share that even with all the growth in the county, we, again, we, like I said in that interview with the, those guys, that we, we've increased by more than $50,000, 50,000 uh, citizens since 1995. But this community still comes together in a powerful way when tragedy strikes. And the death of Deputy Devin Hodges in the line of duty um, really uh, wounded Anderson County. And our citizens stepped up to support his wife and four kids and other members of law enforcement. The family visitation, the funeral, and everything was just, just really top-notch. And there's a special fund set up at Park Sterling Bank. You can give by dropping by there. They've got two locations in the county. Or you can just look up Parks Sterling Bank and call them or look them up online. Um, it's one of the major fundraising efforts that people can really help and can still help with. Um, Sheriff Chad McBride sent out an appreciation letter to all expressing this sort of same concept. And in the days ahead, don't forget you can continue to donate a little or a lot to the Hodges family. And we can remember how dangerous the job our law enforcement officers tackle every day, even if it's training or actually out on the streets with people who uh, are many times up to no good. Uh, it's a little wonder that statewide and nationwide there's a shortage of men and women joining the law enforcement ranks. And I think council took a step towards maybe helping that here by raising those salaries to at least get them in close to in line with, with a living wage and what the city of Anderson pays and our neighbor, neighboring counties pays. So whatever it takes, thank council and thank your council member for supporting this effort. And you can call them and thank them. or They rarely get those phone calls, but it wouldn't be a bad idea. So uh, then there'll be another meeting a week from next Tuesday night at the downtown courthouse, the first one of the new budget year. So plan on attending that. If you haven't been to a county council meeting in a while, it's time to show up, participate in government. And speaking of downtown, when's the last time you ate at Sullivan's? You could come early, have an early dinner at Sullivan's, and then come on over to county council meeting. One of the longtime sponsors of the Anderson Observer podcast, News from People You Trust, Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill and Sullivan's Caters offer the best food anywhere, and I'm not just saying that. It's been documented. They've got the awards to prove it. Anderson's finest dining establishment for special occasions, dinner, lunch, and more has been listed as one of the top 100 restaurants in America several times, one of only two in South Carolina to grab that honor. And it's also been featured in Southern Living, I don't know how many times, uh, a bunch of culinary magazines, and on the front page of the Wall Street Journal on how to do a food right and 
Bill Nickerson, his wife, Sabre, took a chance when they opened Solomon's in downtown Anderson almost 20 years ago. And we all owe them a huge thanks since their risk kicked off the renaissance of downtown. They also offer catering at rates more competitive than you can possibly imagine, better than almost any of the small shops around. Visit their Facebook and sullivansmetropolitangrill.com for more information or sullivanscaters.com. And you can have the same great food at your wedding, family reunion, party, corporate event, anything, just by calling or checking Sullivan's Caters. You can also check the Facebook page of either place, Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill or Sullivan's Caters, to find out more information. And in other downtown news, as it continues, uh, just a slight update. There's no, uh, no breakthrough yet, but uh, ne negotiations are still in the works between Grace Church and Alverson Community theater if grace church can get the theater in the building next to it which i always remember the the, the current theater as the old state movie theater growing up here in anderson um the church will likely move to the heart of downtown and grace is one of the faster growing churches in the upstate with location greenville simpsonville anderson where they currently meet at north point elementary school and it's probably the, the youngest church in anderson demographically a lot of college students a lot of students so it'll be good to get a lot of those young people downtown and on the square since many of their members are Anderson University students, it will be even better match, uh, an even better match when the university begins to occupy the old Chicola. So it's, it's a good thing for all of us that they can work that out. And it is summer and schools are out, and that means that uh, there are people who have needs that are taken care of during school. Many of those are underprivileged kids. And Anderson County School District 5, where more than 40% of the students are eligible for free lunch programs, including hundreds who are classified as homeless. They're offering meals at locations across the district this summer. Kudos to the district for making this happen. Um, they put together some grants and a, provide, a variety of funds to make this happen. Remember, these kids are not to blame for not having food, and they shouldn't suffer as a result. So they've got food information, and you can find more information on that on the story. Just search the Anderson School District 5 Summer Food Program on the Anderson Observer website, or go to the district, Anderson School District 5 website to find out more. We know Anderson School District 5, along with Districts 3 and 4, is putting together plans now to implement when the new Anderson Institute of Technology officially opens in 2019, which sounds like a long ways away, but it's less than two years now. This state-of-the-art building is going to be located on the current site of Lakeside Middle School, adjacent to the Anderson County campus of Tri-County Technical College, and will, among other things, offer cutting-edge education aimed at high-tech employment for students through collaboration with business and industry and this includes not just uh, the, what people used to consider the tech education, but uh, kids who are in AP advanced placement classes and other things are coming through here. And there's some really big goals that uh, I think are, are bold and, and innovative and make a lot of sense. And one of them is to have kids who use the new Anderson Institute of Technology to take classes. And when they graduate high school, they also have a two-year uh, college degree. So they have an associate's college degree and a high school degree upon graduation. I talked to the new institute director, Bob Couch, who may have more experience than anyone in the field, at least in the southeast, and here's what he had to say about the center and his goals for it. Okay, I am talking to Bob Couch. He's the new, you're the direct, executive director? Or director? Executive director. Okay, just tell me your title. Uh, executive director of the uh, Anderson Institute of Technology. And this is scheduled to open in the summer of 19, 2000? Summer of 19, it will open, and we'll have two years to build a facility. So, and really to get the curriculum in place, schedules worked out between the high schools and districts. And so, uh, first two years, going to be a lot of planning and development, including the facility as well as program planning. Why is uh, 
a technology center like this so important for Anderson County? Well, I think uh, mainly because of the job demands. I mean, I think the the workforce now is highly technical and smarter. So the workforce in terms of where those jobs are, the preparation of those jobs has to begin earlier. And I think the facility like AIT will will enable students to get a head start both on their certifications in these various industry areas. But uh, it'll be focused on the high demand jobs in Anderson County. How, uh, if parents ask you, why should my kids consider, you know, a technological job rather than going to a four-year school, what would you tell them? Well, I, I think there, there are really three paths that will will be a part of the center. One will be those students going directly to work uh, with certifications, those going to technical college, and those going to four-year college. So it, it will be a place where any student that has interest in the programs that we offer will have options to make any career pathway they want to make. And some students will go directly to work and then maybe go to, to technical college uh, later. Uh, some will go directly into a two-year program, uh, and some will actually make a choice of a four-year path. I mean, I think uh, the programs this day and time in facilities like AIT attracts all students. And the current facility I am right now is 50% of the students are AP level students, and they're across all programs, auto tech, welding, mm -hmm. biomedical sciences. So we'll have programs that meet uh, the student's career interest uh, and will provide them the opportunity to make different choices uh, that they would like to make. But I think the parents will be excited about it because uh, we're going to have kids that are going to be involved in capstone projects. Um, there are four pillars of the center. Uh, one is own your learning, own your behavior, own the result, and own your career. So we want to transfer the ownership of learning to the student, and in Europe, uh, the students are responsible for learning. In the U.S., the teachers many times have too much responsibility in that learning. So the teacher will be a facilitator of learning. So when a parent sees how the instructional method is going to be used to where the, the, their child will own what they're doing and there will be a clear pathway of where they're headed, and they're able to see the jobs that are available, the kinds of salaries they will make, then the parents, I think, will be very excited uh, about where their kids are headed. What kind of uh, opportunities will this open up that, due to our limited space and things now that we don't have, what kind of new opportunities will we have with the new facility? Well, I think first, it's gonna be cutting edge equipment. Uh, I, I think that, for example, there'll be, we'll have uh, 3D printers, we'll have augmented reality equipment that enables, uh, say, an individual in auto tech class could, could actually suspend a, a car in 3D, virtual augmented reality, assemble that vehicle. And in fact, I read this week that Mercedes in Germany now are putting their technicians through 3D augmented reality on the same machines that we'll have here where they will have an opportunity first to actually, in a lab environment, uh, put a car together before they go out into the uh, lab and into the uh, production lab to build cars. So that's the same thing that's going to happen here, is that kids will be on cutting edge. We'll have students that will do patents of products. 
uh, we'll have students in biomedical sciences doing in-depth research that would be university level or college level. Uh, it's going to be a highly functioning uh, program that will challenge all students to raise their expectation and their skill level. You've been around this a long time. Right. How have you seen technological education change since you've been in the business? Well, I think first is just the exposure that kids have now to technology. Uh, if you think about the first graders in, entering in uh, 2017, uh, as first graders, they've known nothing but technology, smart cars, smart TVs, all of the technology, uh, drones uh, flying around. I mean, and so when you look at the, the change of exposure that students have had, and Friedman uh, talked about some research about what really made the world flatter in terms of economic development, it had to do with technology. So a student in India can be in a dirt uh, uh, floor school with technology that American students sitting in a, a massive new facility and they are connected to the same technology. So the, the technology connects the entire world. So that has changed how education is perceived and how students learn. And that's been a challenge for teachers too, I think. Because Correct. Because them have, did not grow up with it. Right. Are you going to have special training for your teachers that are going to be out there? There will be special training and, and particularly if they are teaching a course or a program that requires additional training or add-on training to be able to, to teach the course. They may have the academic core background to be able to do it, but they may need the technical uh, training to be able to do it. And we'll have professional development as a part of the process as well so that they're prepared to be able to deliver. Almost all of the curriculum will be delivered through technology and online. Uh, very few textbooks will be in this center. It's, it's all driven with technology. How much of a challenge is it to stay on top of the latest technology? You mentioned augmented reality. That's fairly, that's, that's new and that's something that is, does obviously have a future. Apple just announced all those things with their augmented Correct. reality. But how much of a challenge is it to stay on top of the technology? Well, one of the things that I do is I probably spend at least five hours a week doing research. Uh, you have to be able to engage and stay uh, current with the changes and almost every day I'm reading an idea about a, a new in innovation or new invention or new technology that becomes then a part of our drawing board for the future. Uh, this center will have at least one innovative program a year. Uh, you, you have to stay ahead. You, once you start down the road of innovation, uh, you can't stop. And there's, you can't stop it. You have to keep innovating. So part of that is looking at programs that are out there that will enable the kids to stay on the cutting edge of, of what's available in business and industry. And the challenge that we have now in education is business and industry is ahead of the schools. AIT now will put these districts on the cutting edge with industry with the kinds of skills and knowledge the students will need to be able to compete for those jobs. And that kind of brings me to the next question. Uh, you're adjacent to Tri-County Tech. Yes. How important is that relationship in terms of the, the technology center? It's critical. And uh, I've already had conversations uh, uh, with the uh, director there at that campus. Uh, I would see where we would have possibly courses being offered on their campus uh, using some of their space 
I would see their students in our technical labs where the students are learning and also receiving dual credit, secondary and post-secondary credit. And we certainly would like to see students to advance far enough with the associate degree path that they would be able to complete an associate degree very shortly, if not at about the same time they complete their high school diploma. And uh, that again gets kids into the workforce faster. If they are headed toward Clemson or Anderson or whatever, it gives them an ahead start on a, a four-year path if that's their choice to go beyond the two-year degree. But uh, definitely it is very critical to have that partnership with Tri-County Tech and it's, it's already established in this county and, and I've known about their efforts for years and they're one of the top technical colleges in, in the state in doing and in, in building partnerships. Speaking of partnerships, have you met with any of the industries already getting ready for partnerships I've, with industries on targeted training and things? We, we have and we'll have, in fact, I've got a meeting this afternoon with uh, some workforce development folks, had conversations already uh, with other industries up here, getting a feel in terms of what their needs are and they'll be deeply involved uh, in establishing the lab, setting up the equipment. Uh, we certainly would like to have them uh, a, a real partner making sure that whatever we're putting in in terms of equipment and programs are actually what students need to know and be able to do that fits into mechatronics or uh, machine tool or welding so that, that uh, we're shorting the time frame for their training once they graduate high school and enter the workforce. For people who haven't met you, uh, we were talking before we started recording yes. this. This is sort of a homecoming. You're from the upstate. Your yes. Family, you've got family here. Tell people a little bit about you and why you wanted to come back up to Anderson. Well, uh, the upstate is, is, is home. Uh, I was born in Greenville County. My wife is from Pickens County. So we have a lot of family up here. Uh, I have uh, attended Furman University. I have two degrees from there. And, and so uh, we're very familiar the area. love the upstate, although I enjoyed my time in Columbia uh, immensely. Uh, it was bittersweet to some extent because you form ties and have uh, great relationships at every place you go. So, but coming here was uh, was really uh, it's a, th a thrill for us to get back upstate, uh, close to extended family, and uh, and I will have I have ties up here that occurred at state level, and so we have a lot of connections uh, with business people and leaders already up here. Um, pretty close to some legislators up here as well. And I sit on the Education Oversight Committee at state level, and uh, I chair a subcommittee uh, as well. So through that, those efforts, I have contacts with uh, people upstate from the legislative perspective. And uh, it also gives me a chance to help uh, in looking at decisions that can impact education statewide. So. Uh, that will be, a, a, again, another part of, of my responsibility in looking at what is best for upstate.
My name's uh, Chase Simmelman. Okay, now you are the the pig slayer. You are the pig man, right? The pig trapper. <laughs> I, I Anderson County, right? Yes, I, I'm I'm the pig trapper for for wildlife services here in Anderson County. Yes, sir. Yeah. How long have you been trapping pigs here in Anderson County? Oh, I've been doing the pig trapping for about three years now. How many pigs do you think you've trapped total in three years in Anderson County? Uh, probably pushing close to a thousand, uh, getting getting upwards of nine hundred to a thousand. How big a problem is is the feral pig population here? It's very big. I mean, it's probably one of the worst places that, that we've seen as far as agricultural damage. It's probably one of the top places in, in South Carolina that we're seeing seeing damage. I think it's, it's, a, it's a huge problem. And how many pigs will you have to trap before we can start seeing the numbers go down here? To, to keep the population at a stable rate, you have to remove at least 70 to 80 percent. That's just to keep it stable. Um, if you want to see a decline, you know, you're having to get up there to 90 or 100% to actually see, you know, to see any kind of effect. So, um, you know, just to keep it stable, I mean, you're, you're talking 70%. So, it, it, you know, we're, we're fighting a losing battle, it seems like. How, what's your goal? What do you think you could get to? I just, I'd like to see it kind of stable, you know, um, 70%. You know, my, my goal when I'm trapping is 100%. Uh, you know, I'm trying to, minimize damage you know we're, we're never going to eliminate pigs in South Carolina um, but if we can just minimize damage that is the main objective uh, for us is just to minimize damage try to help these farmers these landowners you know not lose money not you know not lose any crops or anything let them let them try to earn a living and, and just minimize the damage how dangerous is this have you ever been in danger I mean it's it, it's not too dangerous, um, but but yeah, there there are risks uh, that you have to be aware of. You know, when you when you approach the trap, just be aware that you are dealing with a big game species and something that you know they can get out and they can charge you. Uh, so when you approach the trap, you know you just be aware that you know be ready to 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 defend yourself if if you if you have to. But for the most part. There's no, there's no real danger. You're probably more likely going to get injured actually building a trap or, or, or riding your four-wheeler to the trap or something like that. That's, you're more likely going get, to get injured doing that. And I am glad he's not been injured doing that. These wild hogs can decimate farmers' fields and do a lot of trouble, a lot, cause a lot of problems. Very expensive, hard. They're not native here, and um, people who drag them around from county to county to hunt them have caused a lot of the problems. I wish they'd stop. It's against the law. Anyway, I wish him the best. Well, speaking of farmers, don't forget Anderson County's Farmers Market. It's now open Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. Tons of local produce and more, and there's also tomatoes out there now. Uh, but I would suggest getting there before about 10 or 10.30 on Saturdays. The tomatoes are still in limited supply, but they're still a pretty good supply to get there early. And finally, if you've been paying attention, you may have noticed how long it has taken to finish the parking area on the East-West Parkway. Those delays have been many, but it's supposed to be open now by the end of June. That's what county officials are telling me. That's phase one. Phase two, which don't hold your breath, but eventually will come because it hadn't been funded yet, will include picnic tables and some sheds and some other things out there. But right now, it's going to be a great place to park if you want to enjoy the three-mile parkway walkway. So those folks who do that won't have to park uh, on the side of the road or in the fields or on one end at Ingalls on Grady's on the other and taking up parking spaces. That's it for this edition of the Anderson Reserver Podcast, news from people you trust. Tune in next week for updates and other special local guests. But until then, get out and do something to make Anderson a better place.
Going to rise up there. 